Excited to be back in the house or what? Everybody excited to be back with us on Tuesday nights? Let's go. Hey, we want to welcome you. Help me welcome everyone joining for the first time. Let's put our hands together. So glad that you're here. Glad that you are joining us. And uh, like the team said, my name is Mark. I get the privilege of serving as the college and young adult pastor here at Grace. And um, yeah, we're kicking back off a new collection. We're starting with a series called Here For It. And I know Lindsay made mention of it. I think it's important that we talk about the values and the vision and where we're going and what we believe as a ministry. Because I believe so many people have joined this ministry over the past year. In fact, I'll give you a statistic. 60, our ministry has grown by 60% in the last year. I'll just say it like that. And I, I think that, man, that's, that's just only by the hand of God. And God has been so good to us. And I just want you to know we share stuff like this. Because I believe that's uh, so many people entering a room, hearing the gospel, being encouraged, joining community, and most importantly, their, life is be their lives are being changed uh, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only that, I think that it's important if you're new to the exchange, it's important you walk in and you hear a message on the vision and the values of this house because I believe it's important for you to understand why this space exists. Why this space exists. And I know many people have been on the journey with the exchange for several years. But I think that the challenge is when you've been on the journey, sometimes we just get into this habit of doing church and we forget what it means to be the church. And I think when we talk about the values and the vision of this house, it's going to help some of us be encouraged to take some steps and to join us into what God has called us to do. And, you know, I want to share a little bit about me, my wife and I, Michelle. Um, we are actually a few weeks away from our daughter, Harlan Ryder, um, being born. And uh, we're so excited about it. But here's what I realized. Our lives are like changing right before our eyes. Uh, our lives are changing significantly right before our eyes. And I, the other day I was talking to one of my mentors and um, I was like, hey, man, what, what should I really be thinking about uh, as we get ready to have our daughter? And uh, he was like, meaning you're having a daughter, you better start thinking about how you're paying for that wedding. I'm like, thanks, bro. Um, but in all seriousness, what he let me know is, you and Michelle need to start having conversations about what you want your daughter to remember 15 and 20 years down the road. What statements you want her to remember. What do you want Harlan to say in 15 or 20 years down the road? Mom and dad used to always say this. I remember mom and dad used to always tell me, in this house, we do this. And I was so encouraged when he told me that, but it was also challenging for me. And it also pointed me back to uh, my childhood. How many of you remember um, when your parents they would like sternly say, hey, in this house, we do this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or in this house, we don't do this. I remember my dad used to tell me um, as a kid growing up, son, in this house, men don't sleep in. I'm like, you're right, I'm six years old. You're the only man, you shouldn't sleep in. <laughs> Be like a Saturday morning, 6 a.m., son, we need to get up. Like it's 6 a.m., what are you talking about? Where are we going? We need to mow the grass. Some of you know when your parents say, we need to mow the grass, it's like, no, you're going to sit down on that tractor. You're going to mow the grass. I'm just going to stand there and watch. Like, son, we need to do this. Son, we need to do that. But I remember my dad would make all these different statements. One of the statements he would always say is, in this house, we learn to earn. In this house, if at first you don't succeed, you try and try again. And I remember my dad used to say that to me, and those statements, they stuck with me. They not only stuck with me, they changed the way I live. They changed the way I saw people and saw life. 
And it challenged me all the way to the point of where I am today. And today, that's what I want to do. I want to give you some values. I want to give you some statements that we say around here that I believe not only is just information to be communicated, I believe it's information that should challenge you and change the way you live. Today, I want to talk about the heart of the house. I want to leave you with some statements that I believe will challenge you to take some steps in your walk with Jesus. And I've been losing my voice, so don't mind that. Um, But... And I promise, it's a cold. It's not COVID. Some of you forgot that you can still just get a cold and it not be COVID. Anyways, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. But let me be clear here. See, when I talk about the heart of the house, I just need everyone to understand. Some of you think that this is a church. Some of you come here on a Tuesday night and you think you just got your church fixed and that's it. I just need you to understand We are a part of a big house called Grace Family Church, and our church has a value, our church has vision, our church has a mission, and our vision is to reach our city of Tampa Bay, reach the city of Tampa Bay. Our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And not far after that, or not far off of that, the vision and the mission of the exchange coincides very much with that. You see, the vision of the exchange is to lead or reach young adults all across our city. The mission is to lead young adults into a growing relationship with Jesus. And I'm sharing all of this with you because I believe if you're in the room tonight, as we go into this series called Here For It, I believe you're here on purpose, for purpose, and God wants you to take a step to partner with us in the vision, to partner with us in the mission, and to take a step to see our city be changed and transformed by the message of Jesus Christ. I believe you're here for a reason tonight. I just want to be straightforward. I think a message like this is of great value, but there's something that stops us from taking a step. And I think the thing that stops us is for far too long, followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, many of us have lost our passion to live on mission. Many of us have lost our passion to see the gospel be preached, to see the gospel be shared with many people all across our city. And I think many of us now see Christianity as a spectator sport. I love what Billy Graham once said. He said, Christianity is not a spectator sport. Christianity, it's something in which we become completely involved. I, I just need you to hear this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not called to come into a room and be a consumer. You're called to be a contributor. I know that kind of sounds harsh, but I just need you to understand. I'm sharing this with urgency because I believe if we're in the room tonight, we can lead our city. We can lead people. We could change our community. We could change the trajectory of our city if we just abide by his word. I want to read a passage from Acts chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 11. And it's a story. It says this, one day Peter and John... We're going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet 
and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. I love the book of Acts so much. I think that uh, this is an important book in the Bible. I know that uh, our beautiful ministry, our women's ministry, they're actually walking through uh, the book of Acts right now. I want to encourage you, uh, if you're a woman, yeah, some of you are clapping, I I would encourage you to join them on the journey as they walk through the book of Acts. But I love the book of Acts so much because it's a picture of the church being birthed and the church being led out into revival. It's a picture of the early church being established, and we see revival take place in the book of Acts. But before we get to Acts chapter 3, I believe we got to look at Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 1. You see, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus, after he finished his ministry, he died on the cross for all of humanity's sins. He ascends into heaven. And then early in Acts chapter 2, Jesus, he leaves his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit falls on all of the followers. And the Bible says in that moment, the Holy Spirit, it falls on the followers of Jesus. And in that moment, a man by the name of Peter, being filled by the Holy Spirit, being filled with a passion for Jesus, being filled with a passion for the truth of the gospel, he stands up in in front of a group of a thousand, thousands of people, and he starts to preach the gospel. He stands up, he starts to preach the gospel amongst thousands of people. And in that moment, what I love about this text is Peter was a man who had seen Jesus perform miracles. He was a man who seen Jesus do the miraculous. He was a man that sat under the teachings of Jesus. And Peter, he was filled not only with the Holy Spirit, he was filled with a passion for Jesus. And as he stands up and he preaches the gospel that Jesus came, he lived the perfect life. He died on a cross for all of humanity. The Bible says in that moment, people, they were pierced to the heart. They were cut to the heart. And in that moment, 3,000 people declared and repented of their sin, declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it all started with Peter's passion for the gospel. It started with this, this passion to see the word of God be sent out towards the masses. I just want you to know the heart of this house is that we are people that are led out with passion. We have passion for the gospel. We have passion for Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, passion is what drives us. Passion is what drives us. That's the value of this house. Passion is what moves us forward. I'm passionate about the gospel because I believe the same message that was preached on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago by Peter that moved 3,000 people to follow after Jesus. I believe that same message today, in this day and age, if it was to be preached boldly, thousands of people would come to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I believe we would see this city in revival. I believe we would see our communities changed by the power of Jesus Christ. I believe in the power of the gospel. That's why we preach the gospel passionately in this house. That's why the people that serve on our serve teams, I know some of you walk in here and you see Katie, Joe, and Jalen doing backflips as you walk in the auditorium. People are passionate about Jesus. That's why we do what we do. We're passionate about Jesus. Nonetheless, I just need you to understand when we talk about passion, it should change the way you live also. Passion doesn't just change the volunteers, the people that wear a black shirt. It doesn't just change the preacher. It changes the follower of Jesus. Passion should send you out into the streets and cause you to start wanting to share the truth, share the gospel with your community or share the gospel with your coworker. Passion should lead you to want to start living a different way so people can say, man, I wonder what they got taking place in their life. And you can respond and say, it's Jesus. 
Passion should not just be something that you get when you walk into the room and sit in a, in, under a teaching like this or hear a worship song. No, you should be passionate on the day-to-day, and it should change the way you live. Passion's what drives us. Passion is what drives us. I love what Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Jesus Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. I believe God's waiting on a generation of people who are not ashamed to share the gospel. I believe God's waiting on a generation of people who are excited to share the good news with their neighbors, with their peers, with their friends, with their family. I believe God's waiting on a generation who is not just talking about it, but walking it out and living it out. We've got to be people that are passionate about the gospel. You see, the second value of this house is this house was built for community. This house was built for community. If you've been coming to the exchange for any amount of time, uh, you've probably heard this saying, uh, we're not a crowd, but a community. We say that quite often. We, we post about it. We're not a crowd. We are a community of people. And that, that value, it comes from this passage in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. It says, all the believers, after they came to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, all the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and sharing in meals and a prayer. Verse 44, and all of the believers, they met together in one place. They shared everything that they had. See, these people, once they stepped into a relationship with Jesus, their lifestyles changed. They started doing life with people. They started doing life on life with others. They didn't just walk into a room and hear a message in a temple. No, they left the temple, and they started doing life together. We talk about not being a crowd, but a community of people. I'm challenging you. Are you really a part of the family? Are you really leaning in to this community? Verse 45, it says, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. I love that so much because that shows us these people, the gospel was changing them. The gospel was working on them. Their passion was moving them to live generously, to start to put others' needs above their own. It changed the way they live. I love what it says in verse 47, though. All the while they were praising God, they were enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They were living amongst each other. They were enjoying each other's company, and each day God, he blessed them. He added to their number daily. You see, they, they continued to experience this revival because they were committed to community. They weren't just moving together as individuals. No, they were moving together as a unit. I just want you to understand, I believe that God died for a unified church. John chapter 17, Jesus, as he was getting ready to die on the cross for all of our sins, all of humanity's sins, he cries out in this deep prayer, and he prays that the church of Jesus Christ be unified. The question is, are we a unified church? Are we a unified front? See, the truth about it is, you, you got to look, I, I would even challenge you to do this, who are you talking to on a day-to-day -day basis? Or is it people that are a part of this community, the family of God? Is it people that are sitting under biblical teachings? Is it people that are actually walking it out? Are you a part of the family of God? See, we talk about not being a crowd, but a community. What you need to understand is, you can't spell community without using the word unity. We got to be a unified front. We got to be committed to moving together in order for us to see revival in hopes that God would bless 
our church. See, I think we talk about community all the time, and one of the areas that we talk about community is when we're encouraging you to join a small group. You'd be so surprised, not even surprised, you probably hear it all the time, how many people would say their lives have been changed once they stepped into a small group? I think, I'm not even going to lie, I, I came into this ministry, I literally sat down with a group of people that are a part of our leadership team, and I said, the win is not when somebody walks in the door, the win is when somebody joins a small group. I just believe that wholeheartedly. There is so much value in being in a small group. We talk about it all the time. We, we do these things called social nights like we had last week. And I think that they're a great opportunity for you to connect with other people. Some of you just show up and you like treat it like it's speed dating. Like you're just trying to talk to as many girls as you can and get their numbers. Like trying to do it inconspicuously. No shade. But at least you're looking in the right place. At least you're looking in the right place. But the truth of it is this, we do this all in hopes that you would find a group of people that you could say, I want to be a part of your squad. I want to be a part of this community. I want to hang out with you. I want to start a small group with you. And I'll tell you this, not only do we do uh, social nights, not only do we talk about small groups, we do this thing called campus takeovers in hopes that you would get connected to one of our seven campuses on the weekend. Yeah, like, I think that we get excited about it, but I would just be so remiss if I didn't say, I don't see all of you there on the weekend. I, I don't see all of you there on the weekend. And as a young adult pastor at Grace Family Church, can I just tell you, the greatest reward for me is when I walk into a service on the weekend and I see young adults sitting together, worshiping together, at the Lutz campus on Saturday nights, having a meal together leaving service and then going out to eat together, doing life outside of Tuesday nights and weekend services. I get so encouraged by that, and I just want to encourage you because the value of this house is we are not a crowd but a community. We need to be a people that are living on mission together. I want to have a culture, a sit-with-me culture. When, when people walk in here, we see them sitting by themselves. I want to challenge you. Start encouraging people. Hey, you can come sit with us. I want to have a culture. Everybody on the serve team knows this. We want to have a you belong here culture. We want people to know that they're valued, that they're noticed, that they're loved, and we're so glad that you're here in the house. That's the heart of this house. Here at the exchange, we believe we're not a crowd but a community, but I also want you to get this value. See, this house was built to point people to Jesus. This house was built to point people to Jesus. I know that this is not a very complex point, but when I look at this story in Acts chapter 3, when we hear the story of this lame man who was unable to walk from the time he was born, what I love about this story is this man, he was, he was lame, he was unable to walk, and the Bible says that groups of people carried him over to the temple where people would walk daily into the temple to go and pray. And this man, he would, he would lay there. And could you just imagine if he laid there for majority of his life, lame, helpless, hopeless. People probably walked around him. People probably stepped over him. But here came a moment where two men by the name of Peter and John, they engaged this man. Peter and John see this man, they run over to him. And what did they do in that moment? They address him. They look at him face to face. And the man says, sir, could you help me? Because this man, he would, he would ask people, he would beg people for money or food. And he goes, sir, can you, can you guys help me? And 
can you just give me some money? Could you give me some food? And in that moment, Peter responds. He says, sir, just look at me in the face. I don't have any money. I don't have any gold. I don't have any food for you. But what I have is something greater, and it is Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And in that moment, I love the text because this is a picture of a man, Peter, getting down on this man's level to serve him. He gets down on his level. He, he hands him his arm. He, he helps him up. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. He, he, he didn't walk around him like everybody else. He didn't step over him like everybody else. And when I was reading this text, what blew my mind is this man was positioned in the temple, in front of the temple. In front of the temple gate called Beautiful. Do you know how many people who called themselves followers of Jesus just walked by that man daily, stepped over that man daily, and yet to help him? But a man by the name of Peter, truly filled with the Holy Spirit, a man by the name of Peter, truly filled with a passion for Jesus, he met that man right where he was, he spoke life over him, and he helped him to his feet. And I believe wholeheartedly, some of us today, we may call ourselves devoted followers of Jesus, but each and every day we are passing up God-given opportunities to serve people. I just think this text should challenge us to really open our eyes and realize there are opportunities to serve on a day-to-day -day basis all around us, but are you walking around them? Are you stepping over them? Are you living your life to avoid them? And as I was thinking about this text, you see, the way we point people to Jesus is by serving them. One of our values is serving is how we lead. If we want to point people to Jesus, if we want to lead people to Jesus, we got to be willing to do what Peter did and get down on other people's level and point them to the person of Jesus Christ. And what else I love about this text is not only do we have to get down on people's level, sometimes we need to understand we got to meet people where they are. We got to meet people where they are. You see what he did in this moment, not only did he serve him and get down on his level, in that moment what he desired to do was to let this man know, I don't have money, I'm not rich, I'm not wealthy, but what I do have is Jesus Christ, and he gets down on his level, but what he did was he addressed his physical need. And I'm sharing this with you because I believe, I wrote this down the other day, and I was sharing this with my wife, I believe sometimes in order for us to meet people's spiritual need, we have to address their physical need. Sometimes we gotta address their physical need, and that's why we do serve Saturdays. That's why we do all of these service projects. That's why we encourage you to join our serve team. That's why we encourage you to join and partner with us. Man, I'll just share this with you. This blows my mind what God has been doing through one of our serve projects over the past year. When I first stepped into this position, I said, I want to lead a young adult ministry that are living their lives on mission, not only to be impacted, but have impact. And what came out of that is an opportunity to partner with Grace Family Church in what we do every second Saturday of the month, which is Serve Saturday. And we started saying, man, what, what initiatives can we take on as a ministry? And what came out of this was an initiative to serve refugee families. And every single month, we've been sending teams out to serve these refugees, refugee families, these families that have been displaced or these families that have migrated over to the states in hope of a better future for their family. And what we're doing when we show up, we're, we're actually bringing fresh produce. We're meeting their physical need. We're providing some meals. We're providing some food. And can I tell you, it doesn't just stop there. When I talk about meeting a physical need before a spiritual need, let me just tell you, it doesn't just stop with us bringing food to their house. We're not just dropping food off at a doorstep. No, this has turned into ministry. 
I hear the stories on a monthly basis of people being invited, people from our team being invited into these homes, invited to sit down and have a meal. Even one of our teams right now, they're having a Bible study with one of these families. We just got to start somewhere. We just got to be willing to start somewhere. You see, when we serve people, we bring them hope, we bring encouragement, but most importantly, we're showing them the love of Jesus. And I hear it all the time, you know, well, Pastor Mark, you know, man, like, my time is limited. My, my time is limited. Like, I don't really have the time to serve. I, I don't really have the time to contribute to, to serving on a team, serving at Grace Family Church. I don't have the time to serve on a Tuesday night. I don't have the time to join a serve Saturday. But I want you to understand that many of us are mistaking misplaced priorities for busyness. And I believe if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, one of your utmost priorities must be to serve. It's got to be one of your priorities. It's got to be something that you are hungry to do. It's not just something that we do. It's a way that we live. You got to be living your life on mission to serve others. And I, when I think about this moment with Peter and John, um, as they approach this man, and the man asked them for money, as I shared, Peter says, silver and gold, I do not have. What he's saying is we're, we're not rich. We're, we're followers of Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus. We're poor. We don't really have much money. And in this moment, as as they're probably looking at this man saying, we don't have much, I'm sorry, we're poor. I was just so encouraged that although they didn't have money, they still wanted to meet this man's need. And let me, let me unpack this. The reason why I'm sharing this is because I believe some of us will say, you know, Pastor Mark, like, I want to just impact our city. That's why I'm grinding right now. Like, I'm trying to get my money up, P. Martin. Man, I'm trying to put on for our city one day. Man, I'm trying to do it big for my family. And I believe many of you believe your impact is contingent on your income. I, I want to tell you the truth. Your impact is not contingent on the increase in your income. It's contingent on your heart to serve others. I, I just feel like we just need to be reminded of that truth because we're losing sight of what matters most. These men, they didn't have anything. But what they had was a passion to share the hope of Jesus Christ. These men had a message within their heart. They wanted to share and show the love of Jesus. See, I don't only think that we point people to Jesus by serving them. I think we also do it by inviting them to church. I want to have an invite culture. I want to have an invite culture where, man, every single young adult that we see, we feel like, man, our hearts are burdened. Our hearts are broken for them. We may not even know their name or their story, but we just want to see them here on a Tuesday night. I'll share this with you. I remember when um, about a year ago, I was stand, standing before some of the team that's still a part of the team today. And I remember I felt like God had given me this vision of a room being filled with people. And when I started reading or trying to apply scripture to it, the Bible was so, so, so pointed. It took me to Mark chapter 2. The Spirit of God took me to Mark chapter 2. I opened it up, and it's a story of a paralytic man. And the story of the paralytic man, it goes like this. Maybe you've heard it. It's a man who was paralyzed. And the Bible says he has four friends that were uh, committed. They knew Jesus. And they were committed to getting their friend to Jesus to be healed. And the Bible says that one day, um, these four friends, they pick their friend up on the mat. And they, they walk their friend over to a house that Jesus was preaching in. But when they get to the house, what they realize is the house was packed. 
The Bible says the house was so packed, the house was so filled, as all these people were sitting here trying to hear the message of Jesus that, was, that Jesus was preaching. The Bible says they couldn't walk through the door. So what did they do? They started to scale up the side of the house. They climbed to the roof. They start ripping tiles off the roof, and they lower their friend down on a mat. And I, I had this vision like, man, God, I want to have an invite culture. I want to see a church look like this where it's only standing room. A standing room only, where people are fighting to get into the house to hear a message of Jesus, where people are fighting to get in the house to worship God. And I was just reminded of this as I was pondering that about a year ago. Man, we see secular concerts being filled and packed out, but I've yet to see a church packed out. I think it's a challenge for us. Why can secular concerts, why can a John Mayer concert be filled up, packed out, sold out, but not the church, but not the church. We, we ought to be people who are living our lives on mission, inviting people into God's house, because here's what I know. If they just got into the house, just like that man that was lying on the mat, their life would be changed. If they just got in the house, if you just got your coworker in church, if you just got your family member in church, if you just got your cousin in church and let God do the work, their life would be changed. We got to be a people who are hungry to point people to Jesus, and we do that by inviting them. We do it by inviting, and we do it by serving. The other value I want to talk about tonight, as we get ready to close in this moment, one of the things that I really want to hold to as we lead this ministry is the value of authenticity. You see, we say authenticity is our heartbeat. When people think about the exchange, I want them to think about people who are so real, people who are so genuine, people who don't act like they have it all together. Authenticity is our heartbeat. Authenticity isn't something we do, it's who we are at the core. I think so often we feel like as followers of Jesus, we have to have it all figured out. We, we've got to put on a show like it's, like it's all well in our, in our lives and we, we, we try and be these thou so holy people. Anybody know those thou so holy people? Can I tell you that's the farthest or the biggest turnoff for people today? I'm just sharing this with you because I just want you to know, all of us, myself included, we are ordinary people just trying to live for an extraordinary God. You don't have to act like you have it all figured out. He has it all figured out. You can take the burden off of yourself and you can put it on God. You can trust that you don't have to act like you're perfect. No, friend, he's perfect. We're ordinary people just trying to live for an extraordinary God. In this house, we value authenticity. Authenticity is our heartbeat. I'm a pastor not because I have this all figured out. I'm a pastor because I've been broken. I'm a pastor because I've been broken, but I know someone who restored my life, who healed my life, who changed my life, who changed my story, who redeemed me, who saved me, who turned me from my sin. I, I don't have this all figured out. And I'm just waiting for people, I'm waiting for this generation to wake up and stop putting on a front like we have it all figured out. We're all on the journey. We've all been on the mat. We've all been broken. We've all been hurt. We are all sinners. We're all in need of saving. That's why we have Jesus. 
We value authenticity in this house. We're not going to act like we have it all figured out. We're not going to sit in a small group and hijack the small group and try and provide answers to everything. We're not going to walk the streets and shrug people off like they're no good. No, friend, you were once on the mat. Don't forget your mat. Don't forget you were once on the mat. And when I read Mark chapter 2 and when I read Acts chapter 3, what I love about both of these stories is there's a commonality in them. See, in Mark chapter 2 with the man that was lying on the mat, after Jesus heals this man, he tells him to get up and walk out in front of all those people. He tells him, get up, take up your mat and walk. In Acts chapter 3, what we see, Peter, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And after that, the man stands up, and the Bible says he walks out in front of all of these people. And the people, in both stories, they were astonished, they were amazed, they were blown away by the miraculous works of God. And I remember when I read Mark chapter 2, the story of the man lying on the mat. I was like, Jesus, why would you tell this man to take the very same thing that represented his brokenness? Why would you heal this man and tell him, son, take your mat with you? This was the mat that this man was always thinking about. He was the man that was lying on the mat. When people saw him, oh, you're mat man. You're the man that can't walk. You're the man that is hopeless. You're the man that is helpless. You're the man that can't do anything for yourself. Jesus, why would you tell this man to take the mat? And I'm sure Jesus' idea behind that was, because if he took the mat, people would remember, you are mat man. How are you walking? How are you walking? And at that moment, this man would have no choice but to say, I am the man that was once lying on the mat, but I met Jesus. And Jesus changed my life. And Jesus healed my life. And Jesus restored my life. And Jesus gave me strength. And now I can walk because I met the person of Jesus. And I'm just here to tell somebody today, you don't have to forget your mat. Don't forget your mat. In this house, we value authenticity. See, your mat is your brokenness. The mat is the place that you were broken. The mat is the place that you were hurting. The mat was the place that you were in pain. The mat was your struggle. And you ought to bring your mat with you because the mat, it's your story. And your story ought to be shared for God's glory. Don't forget your mat. There's power in the mat. I'm reminded of what the Bible says. It's in our weakness that God's glory is revealed. It's in our brokenness. God's glory is revealed. Friend, don't forget your mat. Share your story. Don't shrink back. Own it. God did it in your life for a reason. And you never know how that could bring someone else hope. You never know how that could bring someone else hope. Don't forget your mat. For some of you, you just need to be reminded this space, we talk about being real, we talk about being authentic. I want us to be that. I want us to be that as a people because this place, it's, it's not a courtroom for us to judge people. Friends, it's a hospital for the broken. It's a hospital for people to find the same hope this man once found. It's a hospital for people to find hope just like you once found. Don't forget your mat. As I get ready to close, I know you're sitting here and you say, okay, well, how do I apply this to my life? Why does this message even matter? I believe this message matters because values and vision always determines the way we live. When we have a vision for our life, it determines the direction we live our life. 
I want to give us values. I want to give us vision. I want to give us a mission because I want to point you in the direction I believe God is calling us to go. So the application for tonight, maybe you're in the room. The first application would be, maybe you need to take a step to get connected. As we talk about the heart of the house in this Here For It series, I want you to get connected. Maybe you're called to get connected to a small group. Maybe you're called to get connected to serving. Maybe you're called to get connected to one of our seven locations on a weekend. Maybe it's to start serving at the exchange on a Tuesday night. Maybe it's to join us for one of our Serve Saturday initiatives. Maybe it's to actually hike up the courage and contribute to the serve initiative we're actually getting ready to set out on. Let me just tell you about this. I'm excited about this because those same refugee families that we've identified, dozens of them, dozens of them, as they get ready for the school year to begin, they don't have the resources to send their kids to school with supplies and lunch money and materials for regular classwork. So what do we do? We want to meet the need. We actually want to gather over the next few weeks some materials, some school supplies. We got crayons, scissors, we've got colored pencils, we got all those different things that we want to collect over the next few weeks and we want to contribute and meet the need of those families. Maybe it's for you to get connected to the serve initiative. Second application for you tonight, may not only to be get connected, but to start living your life on mission. Maybe for you, you need to start living your life on mission. Maybe for you, what living your life on mission looks like inviting people to church. Maybe what living your life on mission means is serving on a campus or evangelizing, sharing your story with others. I just want to acknowledge a couple people in the room. These people truly live their life on mission. Miles Perez, I was on Instagram the other day, and this man blew me away. He's sharing his story. He's sharing his struggles. He's providing encouragement to other people. I think about a man by the name Trey Johnson. Trey Johnson, man, this, this guy's blowing me away how, how God's just using him in an in a incredible way. This man just had a, a football camp for youth. 175 kids, a football camp downtown, kids coming from all across Tampa Bay, hearing three values, purpose, prayer, and passion. He's living his life on mission. I'm challenging you today, get connected, live your life on mission. And I believe when we do this, when we start getting connected to the body of Christ, when we start living our life on mission, I believe we'll not only see our communities change, our coworkers change, I believe we'll see a city change. I believe that we will see a nation change. I believe that we'll see government officials turn in repentance and seek God's face. I believe one day we'll see men who are far from God come to know God. We gotta live our life on mission. It starts with us. No one else is coming. It's on us. And I believe Jesus Christ, if he was here today, he would say, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I want everybody to stand to their feet. I believe one of the worst things we could do in this life is go through life believing this life is about us. I want you to know today that's the farthest from the truth. As I talk about being here for in the heart of this house, it's to help you understand we serve because he served. We live with passion because we have heard and received the truth. We live with authenticity because Jesus he was authentic. 
He was real. But most importantly, if you don't take a step, I believe at some point in our lives, Jesus would say, you sat under the teachings, you walked into the room, but what have you done for me in my name? That ought to challenge us. That ought to scare us. That ought to move us to action. And I'm not just preaching a message of comfort. I know I'm running a little bit over time, but I'm here to tell you today, don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for next week. Don't wait for tomorrow or, or next month. Start living your life on mission now. Tomorrow's not promised. Tomorrow's not promised.